0: I don't have it. We're insured today. Yep. All right, we'll wait here a few minutes for Facebook to push this out, then we'll start. Well, we got to rain last night, didn't we? Oh man. Heavy. I was up at 130. I bet I'd stop by. I thought the puppies would sleep through. Good morning, Ann and Carl all right well i'm going to go ahead and start we're uh in uh the uh, fifth chapter or letter to to uh the community of believers at rome and uh what we're doing is we're just i translated the book of romans a few years ago actually completed it last year and i translated it and the mystical you no know, it's titled a mystical view of romans and that's actually a translation it's not a book as far as teaching it so what we're doing now is i'm going through romans and i'm teaching it and uh, my translations pretty enough pretty much teaching it uh, but i'm going through each chapter reading four or five verses waiting and listening for something to really pop out and that's what i'm teaching on so yesterday i sat for about <clears throat> 15 minutes and read romans 5 11 through 15 and what really popped out to me and i bore witness to is eternal life And a lot of people have some misconceptions about what eternal life is. And I want to share that with you. Uh, Most people think it's something that you get if you get saved. And then some people think that uh, you'll get it after you die. And you go to heaven and then you have eternal life. And then what's all involved in that in there? So I'm going to read the verses to you and then we'll go through it and teach it and share. And I hope it'll be a blessing to you. For those who are watching now and those who come later on and watch it on Facebook and also on YouTube. Uh, this afternoon I'm going to upload the last, this one and the last video that I did uh, the first part of October to YouTube for people that follow us on YouTube. So we appreciate you being here and those who are coming and we'll get started. So I'm reading in Romans 5, 11 through 15 from my translation. And just in case you don't know this, when you watch YouTube, you can actually put a click on a transcribe and it shows it to you so you can kind of read it while the teacher is teaching. Or if you didn't understand what they said, you can kind of just go back just like on TV. I just found that the other day. So they do a full transcription of any YouTube video. It's pretty cool. So verse 11, not only have we always existed as father in our body, but we accept it. That's important right there, isn't it? We accept it and rejoice in the knowledge that we are at rest with our Father. Now that we see what Jesus revealed in his resurrection, and we believe it to be so, we now receive, believe, and live out of our oneness, being holy breath as our Father is holy breath. In verse 12, and this is kind of what caused the first race of man to forget who they were. Verse 12, the first man, Adam, individually and corporately forgot who they were, and experienced a strong sense of self-condemnation. They began to seek teachers who taught the knowledge of good and bad rather than seeking the Father for all understanding. They lost their awareness of the realm of spirit and sought that which was carnal knowledge. Consequently, they lived unaware of their holy breath within. They sought life out of the sense realm, no longer trading about in the life as holy breath, even though they were. The resulting effect was no knowledge of their father or his love for them. So being dead to their holy breath became the reality they experienced. It traversed all men and women and was wrongly received. That one act which produced death to spiritual understanding and knowing father properly and affected the whole who should have let that lie pass right on. Now he contrasts, uh, does more contrast in Moses' law and Father's eternal decree. In verse 13, <clears throat> the extreme law of Moses took hold over the whole. It uh, per, uh, perpetrated the perceived offense and self-condemned the whole. But the fruit of man's unbelief is not reckoned when Moses's law is no more. We now realize we are eternally the divine expression of holy breath, the many-membered man. Verse 14, Before Jesus' incarnational events, and Revelation of Father's love, which he gave to the whole of mankind. The illegal death estate was wrongly received and governed from Adam to Moses and the lawgiver, or as the lawgiver. The, the law incorrectly ruled people from generation to generation, and it still does today. Just as Adam lived contrary to who they were, Generation after generation lived the same even though they were an exact model of Jesus who was to come as a person in constant contact with Father. Verse 15, what Jesus' incarnational events revealed to man was much more than self-condemnation produced by feeding on the knowledge of good and bad and the offense of Moses' law. Jesus revealed a spiritual endowment of life that was and is eternally in man. This abundant eternal life required no work on man's part. Since the first race of man fed from the knowledge of good and bad, it resulted in a mistaken identity which is what sin is, uh, so uh, our sin consciousness and self-condemnation. They lived without the true knowledge of their father. The spiritual endowment from father to man which was revealed in all by Jesus eternally superabounds to the whole of mankind. And it remains age after age forever and forever, age after age. And the reason I emphasize all that, because we never can lose it. It's there, we just lose our awareness of that. So the question is, is what is eternal life? And what is eternal life that requires no work on man's part? Because that's the truth. Whatever it is, we don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it, but we definitely need to understand. We need to know that we have that and we possess that. So in Jesus's high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, I taught from that many years ago and I really enjoyed it, but he was conversing with Father because that's what prayer means. It means to converse. It means to have a conversation. It doesn't mean to pray and ask all the time. So he was having a conversation with the Father and said, Father, The hour has come glorify of you, me as yours. That's how it really says it in the Greek glorify of you, of me, of, excuse me, glorify you, me as a son of yours, that I, as one of your sons may reveal you in my life. In other words, reveal yourself in me is what he was saying. Let people see that you're in me. And the truth is they needed to see that father was in them too. Then he continued on. He said, As you have given me the ability over all flesh, that I should give eternal life to the whole of mankind, that you gave them yourself life eternal. And this is life eternal. That they might, not, that they might know you, the only true God, and me as the one who has stayed in perfect contact with you, whom you have sent to this people. Now it's interesting if you look there and it says... Uh, as you have given me the ability over our flesh that I should give eternal life to the whole of mankind, then it says that you gave them. So you should question that: was he giving it to us, or was he revealing it to us? Was he was he showing us something that we already had? Right? You know, I could tell Norma, and I could show her that her grandpa left her a bunch of money, and in a sense, I give it to her because she's never possessed it before. Right? So that's what Jesus is talking about. He didn't put it in them. He gave them the understanding of it that eternal life is theirs already. And so the phrase life eternal was translated from the New Testament 2222 and it's zoe, it's pronounced de zoze, which means life or it means to live and also comes from a root, uh, New Testament 2198, zeo, which is de And so we should call it spiritual life. It's a spiritual life rather than carnal life and in the new outlook and perception books we find the phrase life eternal mentioned four times and in, in those books one in matthew and uh, three times in the book of john and then in the remaining part of those books we find eternal life 26 times so four times it's used as life eternal and then the other times it's used as life uh, eternal life and the truth is it's the same thing both the same I remember Brother Garner explained that years ago and he said what life eternal or eternal life is, it's a quality of life. It's not just living forever, right? Because if it was, then every person that has, that has ce- their body has ceased to be able to hold them, we would have to say they did not have eternal life. The truth is, if we lack in any way whatever we haven't perceived, we haven't handled our eternal life. And I'm no, in no way sitting there telling you that eternal life means you're never going to die. But I'm telling you you can live a better life. You can, be, you can live a longer life. And you can live as long as Father created you to live. That's how I say it. And that's what I want. I want to live as long as I was created to live. And I believe that's a long time. And I don't believe that Father ever willed us to die due to some kind of sickness, disease, or accident, or anything. I don't believe that. And so... In several places, the word give or hath is just before that phrase eternal life. So it implies to the surface minded student of the word that it's something that he gives to us and we don't have it and we have to earn it. So when you understand that the more significant part of the scripture is about one's awareness, then you can see that he's given us an awareness of eternal life and awareness of who we are. And, and what it means, an eternal life, when you look it up, it actually means perpetual God life. That's what it means. Either way, life eternal or eternal life means perpetual God life. And what's perpetual? It just continues. You never run out, right? So I would not want to live forever in my body if I didn't possess or handle or experience perpetual life in every part of my being. And I wouldn't really want to if you didn't either, because we've seen those movies where people live forever and everybody they ever knew died. And after a while, they were wishing they wasn't living anymore. You know, my, my, if I'm going to live eternal, I want you to live eternal, right? Forever, if you would say that. But I do want us all to experience what Jesus came to reveal and what Father gave us from the foundation of the world. There's one other verse in Romans where the Apostle Paul in Romans 6.23, if you have my translation... He used the uh, word eternal life and he said, but now after what Jesus revealed to me in his teachings, life and uh, resurrection, I have the chance to explain and teach these things to you so that you are awakened to your freedom from the many dead sacrifices and blood offerings and the dictates of the Mosaic law. Now that you know and are aware of these truths, which I'm revealing to you, you are assured that you are bonded together as one with father. And nothing can separate you from that fact. Now you can possess, handle, and understand the fruit which you have desired to have, which is the pureness and holy Zoe life. So he's saying now you can handle it. Now you can possess it. If I didn't let Norman know about her grandpa leaving money and nobody ever told her about it, she would definitely can't possess it and definitely can't handle it. And I know there's a scripture in the Bible that says, Have you not heard? Have you not been told? And I would say, No, I haven't. I I didn't know these things when I was young. My parents never taught me about the kind of life I had or who I was because they didn't know. Correct? So that's why we need comforter messengers in our life. And that's why Father equipped uh, Paul and Jesus equipped Paul and the Essenes uh, equipped Paul to be able to teach these truths, to explain what Jesus tried to teach, but the people wouldn't listen because they were in such a bankrupt shape. So we were not told of the perpetual life we possess, we were not told of the truth of who Father is or who Jesus was or who Jesus is. We have been and many continue to be what I call the children of the great lie and they embrace those lies, right? So if you're embracing anything that's other than the truth that Jesus came to reveal, then you're not going to experience this quality of life that comes from the internal life that's inside of you and it is a perpetual life. And they've been, they've been blinded to that knowledge of that and what they do, they put it off. And we have too by this sweet by and by story and we follow the rules and the laws. And one of these days, everything's going to be great. One of these days we're going to go to heaven. There's no, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more tears and all those things that are totally mistranslated. And so I say life eternal and eternal life, both meaning perpetual life is presently ours. And it is eternally, uh, eternally ours, and it's for all people, age after age after age. When, and there is no time in eternity, right? So it was for everyone, every born of a woman, ever, ever created a father, eternal life belonged to them. Now, in ancient history, we can discover, uh, discover much concerning the meaning of eternal life. I looked through uh, a lot of the old outlook books and looked for some meanings and some names and stuff. And as I studied last night, I read about a young woman who was of Israel. Uh, she was Caleb's daughter. And Caleb gave his daughter uh, a place called Akash, A-C-H-S-A-H. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. I think it's Ashos. And it's, a, it's called the South Land for Her Inheritance. It was an inheritance that he gave to her. So in scripture symbology, south means below, right? When you're looking at a map, South is below. You know, when I went to Australia, I went below. And I would always say my wife lives up there in the United States, if you would. So the southland suggests the lower part of your body, which is your life center. We've talked about that before. It represents your life center. So consciousness, South refers to the subconsciousness realm. And after Akash received this land of the South, she asked her father to give her also springs of water. And he gave her the upper and the neither springs. It's nether springs, if you would. So upper means higher. It means now, don't you people that live north of us get haughty about this, but it means superior. (laughs) And, And neither means situated down or below or lying beneath. So there's something that's lying beneath us or beneath our understanding, if you would. Does that make sense? And it's, it's, we, we don't understand about these springs of water that's inside of us. So these springs of water represent the seemingly material life found in man and the higher true consciousness of the divine life. That our life source is more than just a physical life source. My life source is more than my heart. And I think about that a lot because my heart quit twice. I've, I've physically died twice, but my life source is greater than that. And yes, Father gave man technology and knowledge and understanding of how to recuperate with me, uh, recuperate my heart and revive my heart and get me to breathe in again. But it was the life of God in there that did that quickening that took place. But my life source is greater than my heart, greater than my digestive system, greater than my brain, right? It's the divine mind and the divine mind is Father and it's the, it's the source of all things. So... Jesus said, when I read this, I remember Jesus said, but whosoever drinketh of the water, which is the living word, that I shall reveal to him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall reveal to him will be in a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So doesn't that correlate with this story of Caleb's daughter? And she asked for for the deeper understanding, if you would. She wanted to understand more. So therefore she symbolizes that, uh, The inner soul consciousness of spiritual life as being the directive and the controlling power of our life. The water of the living word, the water of life. Water is always cleansing, right? We talk about being washed with the water of the word. And so there's a unity of life that comes together that brings substance to us. And since there is in reality but one source of life and substance, only one source is in us and that source is perpetual life. There is no other life whatsoever. You say, well, but there's carnal life, or there's... but that's not the true life. There's only one true life, and that's our Father. Uh, I wrote with Kay Fairchild and published two-volume book, Living Out of Our Spiritual Resources, and the content in those two book is, books are vital to all people, even though they still contain some penal substitutionary doctrine a little bit. But the, but the main thing is that there's a source inside of us. It's a resource, and we were teaching people how to live out of their spiritual resources. And it's still a very valuable book. But our perpetual God life is not measured by how much money we have in our banking accounts. It's not measured by how much interest I'm making on my money. You know, uh, we people have money, but they're worried about it maybe running out. And so they're concerned about more interest to take care of it or how to invest it. And I'm not against that, but that's not my source. That's not what perpetual life is. It means that there's never a lack in any part of our lives. We never think with a lack conference, uh, of consciousness. I used to call it living in the no need realm. I just, I don't, and I'm there. I don't think what I need I don't think that I need food or I need this or that. I just know it's gonna be there and I don't worry about it. I don't worry about my checking account running out because I know it's just gonna be there. Whatever needs to be there tomorrow, it will be there. And to me, that's perpetual life. But it's more than that. It's, 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 it, 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 uh, it controls our entire being. And yes, it will, it will control your physical life too. And there's that knowing that we've got to understand. So, we must enter this phase of the life in which pertains to breaking up and passing away. There's a phase that we've all been through where there had to be some breaking up going on in our life, right? Some stuff that we thought was true. And we were, you know, we wouldn't let people. We hear pe- people uh, teach opposite of what we believe we would run from or we wouldn't have anything to do with them, but there needs to come some breaking up to take place in this face and this passing away and let these old mindsets go and this liable to die mentality, living as just mortals or just human. Kay did a fabulous teaching on the word human. If you didn't see it, I encourage you to look at it on her on her Facebook or YouTube channel. But we want to leave these thoughts of this, the lower states of consciousness. And in Jeremiah 1.10, I love Jeremiah, the, the book of Jeremiah, because that's really where Father gave me my calling. But we see where Father instructed him as to what he would be doing as a comforter messenger. That's, that's what he was. He was a messenger. He brought the word of the Lord to the priests and hopefully to the people, but they rejected him. But Father spoke to his thoughts by saying, see I have this day set thee over the awarenesses of men, because that's nations, the minds of men, and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, and then to build and to plant. And I know I've used this a lot, but it's very vital for people to understand. We have to go through this root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down stage. But what that is, is really it's listening and learning. right? It's being being willing to say, I don't understand what you're saying, would you explain it to me? Instead of saying, I don't believe it. I can't tell you how many times people have told me, I don't believe that. If you teach that, you know, even my own mom told me everybody I taught was going to go to hell because she didn't understand. She never sat and said, son, would you explain these things to me? And I did in church, but she wasn't listening. Of course, she couldn't hear good either because she do (laughs) not very well. But this is not a binding thing. This is not where we go and pray and rebuke the devil and bind all this stuff and and try to stop our habits and everything. This is where we hear the truth. Because when you hear the truth, there is a rooting out. There is a realization of that which is not true. One of the funnest things I like to do, and I know I said I would do a Zoom meeting. I haven't done it yet. But I enjoy doing a Zoom meeting where I can take my PC Bible program and my interleaner in there and I could show people what these words really mean. And if they're really interested and they're really questioning their belief system, then what happens, it roots that lie out and it pulls it down and it destroys it. What does the word destroy mean? Most of the time, one of them is, uh, one of them is Cartageo. It means to melt away, to, to, to make void, to bring it to naught. And that's what needs to happen. There's some stuff up in our brain still, in our belief system, that needs to be melted away. And it's melted away by hearing the letting the bright light of revelation shine on you. It's that easy. It really is. And then what happens? Then we can build and we can plant and we can grow and then we can be used a Father. So again, we all need a comforter messenger to help us in this rooting out, pulling down, and destroying of these strongholds in our beliefs in order for us to, to be built up in our eternal life, if you would. And to understand what we live out of. To be planted firmly in these truths. And that's where we want to be planted. Judy sang a song, Planted on the Rock. Well, what's the rock? It's that revelation that Jesus came to bring us. You know, Peter, if you look up his name, is Petra and it says a piece of the rock. And then when Jesus said upon this rock, it said a massive rock. Well, that was the revelation... You know, people want to make that Jesus, but it wasn't. He said on this rock, this revelation that I'm trying to reveal, I'm going to build my church. He's going to, there's build, right? Build it up. So it's a great revelation that he taught and Paul's explaining those things. So how about Antichrist? Is Antichrist a problem? People are worried about a physical Antichrist. Jesus said there's many Antichrists with you right now antichrist and this is you know this is just me if you don't want to think it's true that's all right but i've looked it up and i believe it very much but antichrist would be anti contact with father what could be anti contact with father to you fear doubt sickness disease you know start worrying about those things more than anything else and so what happens is we know nothing can separate us from father But many things wrongly believed and produced bring us a sense of separation to the point where people start saying, well, where was God or where is God? And then next thing you know, there's no contact with Father. I know people that have told me that they haven't talked with Father in many, many years because they got hurt. Something happened that they didn't think was supposed to happen, and it didn't happen, and so there's no contact. So Antichrist is not a big person that's going to come and rule the earth. It's right up here in our thinking process. It's anti-contact with Father. And conversing with Father is so easy, and it's one of the best things you can do. If you don't talk to me, if you don't talk to me, and we don't have conversations, and it's a year or two years later, even though we love each other, the, the relationship has been hindered, right? And we... yes it gets less and less and then if you're if you're not in contact with your source which father is your source and father's always trying to pour out his love on us through messengers through through the very spirit that's within inside of us but then we 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 don't lose the source but we lose our awareness of the source right and then we go to all the wrong places if you would we begin to seek other things for our help and so talk loud Yes. The fact of the matter is if if something's on your mind, you should talk to, to the Lord about it. Yes. Because He can give you peace about it or, you know, give you rest, you know, when you're worried. or You can matter. hear a sure word. I mean, yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, it's a I weird, don't know why weird, anybody would not do that because, I mean... <laughs> it's because they have a false perception of Father. You know, we have somebody we know that said because God didn't do something in a certain time and save a person's life, then they didn't believe anymore. You hear stuff like that. People are afraid to talk to God. Right. They're afraid. Because they don't know who God is. Right. It's a reinforcement that we have a higher, higher power that's in control more than we are. But we have to believe that control before it. Right. Right. what it is that it's on our mind. It's just like an employer. A lot of employees are afraid to talk to their employer and they'll go they'll go to somebody else and say, what does he think about me? Or what does she think about me? Or, you know, like, would you intercede? And see there, that's that's the religion has done that. Would you intercede before me? So we have preachers to pray for us. And I'm not against that. I, if I have a pastor, I want you to pray over me, but I want you to pray proper words. But then we next thing we know, we have to have Mary pray for us. And then we have to have a pope pray for us, and and because we're afraid, of, we've been taught that we can't. We can't ask. That's that's right. And then we have to bow our head out of shame. All that stuff has caused that. Why should I ask you to pray for me when I can do it myself? You can do it yourself. That's right. You can talk to. I don't need to talk to God on your behalf. You can. So one of my favorite hymns is "What a Friend We Have in Jesus." That's what we, we just need to the change very it. First God as my friend, yeah, and you know yeah. it, it doesn't hurt to ask a friend to to join you, agree anyway. with no. you. Yeah. well, it's like, but the Bible says that Father, father says we're His friends, yeah. Yeah. but we're more than His friends; we're, we're his, his children. children. Yeah. So, so whatever a person believes him or herself to be, then what is that? That's their experience, mm-hmm. right? So, those who are guided by the Spirit of Truth within them understand that life and life eternal. Teaching is a way of an experience in life and not, uh, it doesn't lead us astray by listening to other kinds of doctrines that say you have to do this for spiritual growth. You are already spiritually grown. You're just not aware of it. You are already supernatural. We just aren't aware of it. So the doctrine that would say you have to do something so you can spiritually grow, that's called process theology. And that's a lie. God does not process us. It breaks my heart when I hear people say, well, God caused me to lose my job so I can learn something, or God put cancer on me. I see it on Facebook all the time. God did this to me so I can learn something. No, that is not true whatsoever. So it's well known that Babylon signifies what? I'm testing y'all. Confusion, that's right. So the fire that spreads to assist in doing away with this confused state of mind of Babylon represents the life thought found in our holy breath the word fire represents the word of god it's not our the bible says it's not our 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 god a fire and it says it's not i make my messengers flames of fire it's not the word of fire there's all kinds of places that explains that to us so the state of mind that babylon represents is the life thought found in our holy breath that can Remove that confusion, if you would. When this thought is taken up consciously by a man, it extends quickly to the whole consciousness. And what it does, it overthrows the confusion. There's, Don and I came to a point where we were confused many years ago in 1995 and 96, And then Brother Garner came into our life. And, and a lot of stuff began to be corrected. And a lot of the confusion went away. And then when we came to the end of that, and he passed away, came to the end of that teaching, and then the Lord began to speak to us more and more and more, and it corrected our belief system, and it it removed the confusion. We don't live confused anymore. We know who we are. So fire is generally used in the Bible as the truthful word that frees us from error. And that's why when I taught something like this years ago, Judy Vandenberg wrote the song, Burn, Fire, Burn. Don't run from the fire, run to the fire. Because it's a cleansing, pure word of God. And this cleansing and purification is the true essence of the fire of spirit. Yeah, it, you, you know that you've been in contact with Father. You know that you're in contact with a comforter messenger, if you would, and you're hearing something when it begins to cleanse and correct your, your belief systems. And I'm telling you, I'm thankful for a messenger that's come into my life that have corrected many of my belief systems and then I'm thankful that the father through my study has corrected it and I have the ability now to look and say this is not what that means because it doesn't fit God's eternal love for us and so I taught last week about uh, the word atonement and in the old outlook books it's all about appeasing God It's all about doing something to be but in the new outlook books it's it means exchange and I remember, I think it was Norman Grubb, wrote a teaching years ago about the exchange life. And now I understand what he means. I ex- it's, but it's not me ex- exchanging my life, it's me exchanging my awareness, of who I am. That's all we've got to do, is help people correct their awareness. You know, because they're, they're, who they are, they're perfect. They're, they're altogether lovely. They're one with Father God. But we truly experience our oneness with Father, With all mankind when we hear the truth of what Jesus taught and what the Apostle Paul explained. And so as I I, uh, taught before, we can regain in our experience our original estate of sons and daughters of our father. I mean, just think about this. I don't want to only imagine, but can you imagine what it would be like if we lived in the state that man was created from the foundation of the world? Well, the truth is, is, we do, but we don't know it. We do, but our belief system's causing us not to experience it because it's here and now for us to enjoy and to live out of. As most people know, life is nothing like life eternal, which is perpetual God life. Most people know life is, you know, I'm born here. I'm going to live to be so many years and then I'm going to die and I either go to heaven or I go to hell. That, that's their mindset. And I just have to hang on till Jesus comes. That's what a lot of people say. But by listening to the voice of our spirit and our thoughts and spoken by our comforter messengers, those pitfalls of ignorance concerning life are subjected, subjected to spiritual enlightenment. The light of God's glory comes in and reveals the truth to you. And though the individual becomes conscious then of the truth about life eternal and knowing father and knowing who Jesus really was and who, what he came to teach, then that water of life can begin to bubble through you and spring up within your entire being. And yes, it can even deal with physical problems in your body. I know that and I believe that. So we can then command confidently, confidently spring up, oh well, within my soul. I, I heard that been sung while I was teaching this. We used to teach it, sing it all the time. But that, the, that song was saying in Numbers twenty-one seventeen, And you discover Israel sang this song, Spring Up, O oh Well. And then the remaining verses in uh, chapter 21 are, the, is, are all the words that they sang. But this is what a modern day person wrote. And it said, uh, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors and sets the captive free, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, O oh well, within my soul. Spring up, O oh well, make me whole. Spring up, O oh well, and give to me that life abundantly. We could change a lot of that because we don't need it to make me whole. Make me aware that I'm whole. I don't need it to give life to me. I have life to me. I need to be made aware. And I need to be speaking to the true living well with inside of me to spring up a oh well and make my awareness whole. Make my awareness where I can see instead of be blind. Make me where I can walk in these things and help me. The truth will do that because Jesus said the truth, which is the not concealed word, will make you free. Right? It'll do that. So the lame to walk are those who cannot or will not. Uh, walk out of the way, the truth and the life that Jesus came to them. The blind are those that are blinded by many doctrines that have been taught and the prison doors are the false perceptions and beliefs held by the crowd mentality, if you would. So we sang that song many, many years. But again, I was never, never told how to allow the perpetual God life in me to flow out of us, but no more. We're learning these things and we're going to do it and we are doing it from glory to glory. The Bible says he's changing us from, from awareness that, that, that the more aware we become, the more we're changed. And I believe, I know we are, we're in a time of great awakening. and uh, but, we, we, but we must allow the river of life to flow. We must allow the spirit of God to speak to us. We must give it some time you know, to, to listen and meditate and do our own studies. Because we want to experience this made free. Now I'm almost done here, but in Genesis 16, 7 through 14, I'm not going to read it, but it tells the story of a fountain of water in the wilderness named uh, Bir Loroi, and this is where the messenger of God met with Hagar when she fled from when she fled from Sarah. Isaac lived by that same well himself for a few years later on. But this well of living water uh, would represent the living one. Really what it means when you look it up, it represents the living one who sees me, the well of the living one that beholds me, the well of him that liveth and seeth me, or the well of the vision of life. Isn't that interesting? And that represents that, that well of life that's inside of us. It's the well that belongs to our Father. It's the source that flows to us. Sometimes people say, Well, I wonder where that water comes from going down that waterfall. You ever think? that? I wonder where that's coming from. Well, I wonder where this is coming from, these things that's good in my life and blesses me and strengthens me. It's Father. Mm -hmm. And that's what this means again. I'm going to read it to you again. It means the well of the living one who seeth me, well of the living one that beholds me, the well of him that liveth and seeth me, or the well of the vision of life. So allegorically, this would represent the recognition by this individual to them that life is divine. Your life is divine, your life is holy. That's why I love looking at people behind me driving because my car tag says you're holy. And I see some of the most interesting looks and conversations. And uh, yesterday, uh, two young men drove up behind me and one of them looked over his hood at it and pointed at it and then poked the other guy and pointed at it. And he, I saw him mouth, you are holy. Then he just began to dance in his car. It was so funny. But people need to hear that. And they need to know that so that well can spring. So the only hindrance to Father's maintaining power is what? If, if Father is perpetual, then what's the hindrance? It's false beliefs. It's legalism. It's the laws. Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. The devil was the law. Devil means hinder or traduce. The law traduced them. And anytime you're trying to do something to please God or do something to get something, then you're hindering that perpetual life. You're denying that you already have it. Right? And so this well also denotes father in us as us as the guiding light of both the inner and outer man or a well of the vision of life, if you would, thus leading mankind to perfect understanding of Father's idea and Father's will for all mankind. And the Apostle Paul instructed community believers in Rome, he said, Now, since I explained to you these truths of what Jesus taught, no longer be conformed to this world's system and its old worn-out ways and beliefs, but be transformed in your awareness by the renewing mind, which is your divine mind. It's your perpetual life. I mean, you don't think, again, I don't like to use physical money, but if I could show Norma all that money that grandma and grandpa left them and it's hers, would that not transform her life physically? It would. It would change a lot and it would give you some peace, but it's not meant to give you peace. But you would say, I never have to live without money the rest of my life. And so more importantly is if we could tap into this perpetual well within the side of us, which is the life of God. That will bring you true peace. And uh, by correct affirmations of the truth of the word, our consciousness will take hold of the living word and it builds them into our entire being because the word of God is what? Powerful, right? And it's quick. And it can affect our whole being. It can affect my heart. It can affect my liver and make it produce the correct protein that it's supposed to. It, it It can do all that. And the key is just allowing it. I'm not saying there's something wrong with you if you're sick and and you're to blame for it. I'm just saying the more we learn these things, the less and less that we're going to be hindered by sickness and disease or any kind of form of lack whatsoever. And if I don't tap into it the way I should, my desire is that I get it all out here where people can read it and begin to say, I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to believe in that. And I'm saying that today. I'm believing it. And I constantly do, Father, I believe what you're showing me. And by, f- by faith and your faith in me, I'm walking in these things. And I'm believing for them to become a reality in my life. And so we must know we are already perfect. We are already perfect. And all these things we were told that we need to become we're already that. Because what they did is they gave you a list. You need to do this. You need to do this. And once you did those things, what happened? You got another list, right? It was a never-ending law. So we only need to awaken to our right standing with Father. Then our single eye will become wide open and we will see who we are. And not just us, but others. And we'll realize that there is a quality of life that we haven't yet possessed. And that's what Father wants for us. So it's time to let go of that which we held dear. And lay hold and build and plant in the living word in this true substance, not just in ourselves, but for all people that we come into contact with. We need to be willing to tell people the truth. Now, I have used the word perpetual many times in teaching for the word eternal life, but there are some synonyms for it, which are good. Uh, They are permanent, they are everlasting, they are unending, and they are continual. So eternal is without beginning or end. It's timeless and everlasting in duration. I like how Kay says, I live in the timeless one, the ageless one, if you would. So in closing, Deuteronomy 3.27, Moses instructed the children of Israel with this statement. The eternal God is your abode, which means dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms. God dwells in us and we dwell in God. God is a river of life, and that river of life flows in us. So the King James used the word, is thy refuge, like you had to go to God for help. But when you look up the Hebrew meaning, it's meonah, mi-on, uh, and you find the meaning of dwelling place and abode. So where do we live? You live in Father, and Father lives in you. You are the embodiment of Father. Father lives in you as you, if you would. There's no other source. Life is our dwelling place. And Paul wrote, In Father we live, we move, we have our means. Then he said, As certain also of your poets have said, For we are Father's offspring. And how can one be separated from who you are the offspring of? No, no, no mistake. No mistake what they call sin. Nothing can separate you from the fact that you are the offspring of God and God never turns his back on you. Amen. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And what is God's love? I taught on a week or so ago, agape. It's love without a cause. So you can make a million mistakes and father still loves you without a cause. Right? So since that's be so, we all have God life eternal. We have eternal God life. We were born full of God's life and we still have God life and God life abundantly. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to reveal that we have life and life more abundantly. He did not come to give it to them. He came to give it to their knowledge and to their understanding. So just like uh, Norma's inheritance again, I didn't give that money to her. Right, If that that was true, but I came to give her understanding that that's your money. So that's what Jesus was saying. He came to give us an awareness that we have abundant life and we don't lack whatsoever. And so we know we exist as a son or daughter or father. We experience living, moving, and having our being out of our father and our father lives in us. Amen. So I hope that explains eternal life. You have something else? You'll show me later. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I appreciate you being been here. Uh, I could have written a whole book on this. There's all kinds of references in the old Outlook books to this living well. I mean, all kinds of names that represent Father Sees Me, talks about the living well of water. It's just over and over and over because you know why? Because that was on Father's mind. Amen. Father wants us to know that He is our source. And I know there's no gender there, but that's what we always say. So. We love you very much and sorry I wasn't with you last week. I just wasn't up to it, but I enjoyed studying for this and look forward to being with you again next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.